Today, we continue with part two of Extracts from Adam's Diary, written by Mark Twain. And now, Extracts from Adam's Diary. Saturday. I escaped last Tuesday night and traveled two days and built me another shelter in a secluded place and obliterated all my tracks as well as I could. But she hunted me down by means of a beast which she has tamed and calls a wolf, and came making that pitiful noise again and shedding that water out of the places she looks with. I was obliged to return with her, but will presently emigrate again when occasion offers. She engages herself in many foolish things, among others, trying to study why the animals called lions and tigers live on grass and flowers, when, as she says, the sort of teeth they wear would indicate they were intended to eat each other. This is foolish, because to do that would be to kill each other, and that would introduce what, as I understand it, is called death, and death, as I have been told, has not yet entered the park which is a pity on some accounts. Sunday. Pulled through. Monday. I believe I see what the week is for. It is to give me time to rest up from the weariness of Sunday. It seems a good idea. She has been climbing that tree again, clotted her out of it. She said nobody was looking. Seems to consider that a sufficient justification for chancing any dangerous thing. Told her that. The word justification moved her admiration, and envy too, I thought. It is a good word. Thursday. She told me she was made out of a rib taken from my body. This is at least doubtful if not more than that. I have not missed any rib. She is in much trouble about the buzzard. She says grass does not agree with it, is afraid she can't raise it, thinks it was intended to live on decayed flesh. The buzzard must get along the best it can with what is provided. We cannot overturn the whole scheme to accommodate the buzzard. Saturday. She fell in the pond yesterday when she was looking at herself in it, which she is always doing. She nearly strangled and said it was most uncomfortable. This made her sorry for the creatures which live in there. She calls fish, for she continues to fashion names onto things that don't need them and don't come when they are called by them, which is a matter of no consequence to her, as she is such a numbskull anyway. So, she got a lot of them out and brought them in last night and put them in my bed to keep warm. But I have noticed them now and then all day, and I don't see that they are any happier than they were before, only quieter. When night comes, I shall throw them all outdoors. I will not sleep with them again, for I find them clammy and unpleasant to lie among when a person hasn't anything on. Sunday. Pulled through. Tuesday. She has taken up with a snake now. The other animals are glad, 
for she was always experimenting with them and bothering them. And I am glad, because the snake talks, and this enables me to get a rest. Friday. She says the snake advises her to try the fruit from that tree, and says the result will be a great and fine and noble education. I told her there would be another result, too. It would introduce death into the world. That was a mistake. It would have been better to keep the remark to myself. It only gave her an idea. She could save the sick buzzard and furnish fresh meat to the despondent lions and tigers. I advised her to keep away from the tree. She said she wouldn't. I foresee trouble. We'll immigrate. Wednesday. I have had a variegated time. I escaped that night and rode a horse all night as fast as he could go, hoping to get clear out of the park and hide in some other country before the trouble should begin. But it was not to be. About an hour after sunup, as I was riding through a flowery plain where thousands of animals were grazing, slumbering, or playing with each other, according to their wont, all of a sudden they broke into a tempest of frightful noises, and in one moment the plain was in a frantic commotion and every beast was destroying its neighbor. I knew what it meant. Eve had eaten that fruit, and death had come into the world. The tigers ate my horse, paying no attention when I ordered them to desist, and they would even have eaten me if I had stayed, which I didn't, but went away in much haste. I found this place outside the park and was fairly comfortable for a few days, but she has found me out. Found me out and has named the place Tanawanda. She says it looks like that. In fact, I was not sorry she came, for there were meager pickings here and she brought some of those apples, and I was obliged to eat them. I was so hungry. It was against my principles, but I find that principles have no real force except when one is well-fed. She came curtained in boughs and bunches of leaves, and when I asked her what she meant by such nonsense and snatched them away and threw them down, she tittered and blushed. I had never seen a person titter and blush before, and to me it seemed unbecoming and idiotic. She said I would soon know how it was myself. This was correct. Hungry as I was, I laid down the apple half-eaten, certainly the best one I ever saw, considering the lateness of the season, and arrayed myself in the discarded boughs and branches, and then spoke to her with some severity and ordered her to go and get some more and not make such a spectacle of herself. She did it, and after we crept down to where the wild beast battle had been and collected some skins, and I made her patch together a couple of suits proper for public occasions. They were uncomfortable, it is true, but stylish, and that is the main point about clothes. I find that she is a good deal of a companion. I see I should be lonesome and depressed without her, now that I have lost my property. Another thing, she says it is ordered that we work for our living hereafter. She will be useful. I will superintend. To be continued.